welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast, a podcast about all things Messianic Judaism. Each episode, we will be sharing our opinions as we tackle some of the biggest issues in Messianic Judaism. Now, here's your hosts, Rabbis Eric, David, Jonathan, and Toby. Welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast. I'm Rabbi Eric, joined by Rabbi David. Rabbi Jonathan and Rabbi Toby. And that brings us to a question that was sent to us on our Facebook page. How do you tell if a congregation is healthy? How do you tell? You know, there's so much going on between the Hebrew Roots Movement and Messianic Judaism and all the different aspects and different organizations. And so if you're out there and you're feeling called to a Messianic synagogue, you feel led to whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, you're trying to find a place to attach yourself to and to join yourself to. So the question was given to us, how do I know if what's healthy? When, when we look at the spectrum of everything from the very orthodox-leaning Messianic congregations where people want to wear uh, clothing as if they're living in a shtetl still and they're they're wearing the black hats and the black coats and all that to the very, very liberal messianics who uh, gather together around their barbecue to eat shrimp and pork and and those things. How do, how do we know what is healthy? And then dealing with all of the peripheral issues, the different calendars, the different Sabbaths, the different, you know, names for uh for Yeshua or for God or all these different things how do we how do we navigate through to find what is healthy versus what is mishigash or craziness or confusion or or uh division and so that's what we're going to talk about today and there's there's a lot of discussion that's going to go on and I I hope that within you know in the introduction to our podcast Rabbi David says sarcastic so uh, I want you to understand that both Rabbi David and I are second language of sarcasm and the other guys are pretty good at it also so if it sounds sarcastic it's because it is and uh, just deal with that and go on but we're going to try to explain and express uh, some in, in a a serious way some things that are. Uh, unfortunately comical in their nature the the way things come out and and again a big part of this comes because uh, a big part of the craziness that's attached to messianic judaism or hebrew roots really comes because of the result of the expression of division between the jew gentile dynamic when gentile believers didn't feel comfortable at times within messianic movement but wanted to follow after a messianic walk or lifestyle and they were driven away by different things and sometimes again let's be honest sometimes they were driven away because of their own preconceived notions not because there was actually a uh, somebody driving them out but because they they didn't seem to receive what they were hoping for and then they were apart from jewish people so they started looking at teachings and and following things that were made up or or just divisive from that and when you take away from the Jewish foundation, you're searching for something and clinging to it, and so you end up with different things like the two-house movement, uh, like the devices of the calendars, and a lot of that is uh, really rooted in a response to a negative reception by Jewish people, which ended up causing an anti-Semitic response 
to things that are Jewish. And so I hear people say, I just want what's in the Bible. I don't want Jewish stuff. Or I'm only going to follow what is actually written in the Torah, not the rabbinic stuff, or those kind of things. And so so we want to talk about this uh, and our experiences. And, and I really want to invite Toby and Jonathan into the conversation, because as non-Jewish people, Coming into Messianic Judaism, you guys would have a perspective that Rabbi David and I don't have, because I've never come to a Messianic congregation and ha- and ever felt not welcomed because I wasn't part of the tribe or right. or not there, because I am Jewish, and so there is that response isn't there, that, that dynamic isn't there, that, that will be in some ways in you guys' walk. So, yeah. so I want to deal with in this podcast, if we can— uh, things like, for instance, the difference between Hebrew roots and Messianic Judaism. Uh, and now Hebrew roots has actually morphed into there's Christian roots of Jewish faith and other things that came out. I think it's so important to make sure we we actually define those in this episode. Yeah. Because I hate when Messianic Judaism gets confused with these erroneous mm-hmm. theological movements. Yeah. Right. Sorry, and again, Robert. and I also want to say that there are people in what is known as Hebrew roots that actually teach relatively solid teaching. They're just not part of Messianic Judaism, and for different reasons, they're out there instead of here. And and I want to invite them to come here if they're teaching solid teaching and, and become part of the one new man part of Messianic Judaism as it should be. Uh, but there are also people within uh, the scope of the, Messi- the uh, Hebrew Roots movement that are really – uh, out there in in the ether and the strange, and so we want to talk about those dynamics in this. And I and I want to point out, as Rabbi Eric kind of talked a, a few moments ago, is uh, I, I think number one, this is an important conversation to have because if we're honest about it, probably eighty percent of the content available in podcasts or YouTube channels or whatever else, uh, probably 80% of the content that is available that is messianic, quote-unquote, is actually from one of these types of groups. Uh, and and a big part of the reason why so many people, I think, flock to that goes back to what we talked about last time or the last two episodes, the idea of one new man and, and there being those of the nations that God calls into Messianic Judaism to feel like they're being pushed away. And, and Hebrew Roots and, has amazing technology. Yeah. I mean, when you yeah. <laughs> when you look online, they unfortunately have better videos than yeah. we do. They have better yeah. technology, better all the... The graphics yep. and all the the pop in their videos, yep. so it seems very inviting and very exciting. And when you when you feel called to something, like if if you're not born Jewish and you feel called to Messianic Judaism, and you don't feel like that calling that that in that calling you find validation in a authentic Messianic Jewish congregation, you feel like you're second class or being pushed aside or 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 whatever else, or you're just a, a an afterthought. Then you know natural human. Uh, the natural human process is to go to find where you can find that validation, and you'll find it in these other venues and avenues. And and I right. think that's why it's so important that we have this conversation. And again, real or implied lack of yeah. uh, of uh, validation. Yeah, I think as we get started, uh, before we really get the grindstones rolling, mm-hmm. the um, I do want to acknowledge that. Almost everyone I meet, regardless of what circle they're in, more orthodox, more Hebrew roots, whatever, um, all of them 
tend to be people who are genuinely seeking out what to do before God. So before you know, I don't, I don't want anyone. Absolutely, to, we don't want anyone to think this is going to be a bash fest, right? And in this, but, in this podcast, and in all of our podcasts, we're not going to call people's names out and bash people. Yeah. Right. That's not what we do. We're trying to instruct, and and there are. Uh, you know, Mom said if you didn't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So there's going to be some times where, where we're going to talk about context and yeah. content, but we're not going to be bashing people. Yeah. I and uh, and, I, and I, I will say um, something I like to say to people because, you know, a lot of times um, – and I guess do we want to start with Hebrew roots? That's probably the easiest one to tackle yeah. what do you, first. That's fine. Okay. okay. One of the – you know, one of the things that I see – constantly often it's like a characteristic in hebrew roots is um it's in everyone's bio or you know description of who they are well for the uh, before you continue on jonathan yeah what can we define hebrew roots just for the listeners yes you know like well jonathan share what your definition is and then i'll i'll try to share mine okay um if you want to share the history, because you know you're very well, very well versed in the history, I'll share kind of what I, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think what. Okay, so you walk into a place, Hebrew roots tends to be, um, place where you know you show up, and it looks very Jewish. It looks very near East. It look, you know, you, you'll hear Hebrew. You might see talits, um, but it's they 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 often it's very anti-Judaism so it's it's, it's going to be you know you're never going to hear anything from the Talmud you're never going to hear anything from the the, the, Mishnah, the rabbis the rabbis you know the you know so you, you can never walk in there and say well the rabbis say you get killed you know it, it would just be you know immediately kicked out left foot of fellowship so it, it's a place where we want to look like potentially and this is important we want to look like what we think Yeshua and the apostles looked like and do what we think they did, but we don't want to actually participate in the culture that they actually would have participated in. Right, and in. first century Judaism without Jewish people. Yes. 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 And and because it's without the Jewish people, it's without the context with Judaism. It's and, the prophetic importance, context. and the prophetic yeah. importance yeah. of the Jewish people. And so when you try to have a – for lack of a better way of wording it – uh, I'm going to revert back to sarcasm, but when you try to uh, to to have Jewish flavor without any Jewish context or Jewish people involved, what you end up with is something that looks Jewish from the outside, but generally is very offensive to Jewish people yeah. on the inside. It's just it's like near beer, you know. Yeah. It, it has some of the flavor of beer, but but none of the Odules. non-alcoholic <laughs> beer, right? Or you know, or or decaffeinated coffee. It's coffee without power. Uh, right, you know, so no, it's true that that is yeah, really yeah. good, and so that's really and and again, please understand me because I have dear friends that are in the Hebrew roots movement, likewise. Uh, that and I'm not mocking them; I'm just no. inviting them to to come become part of and and understand that we understand that the history that brought about the Hebrew roots movement was largely a history of rejection by the Messianic Jewish movement, or at least a felt rejection by the Messianic Jewish movement. And mm-hmm. and as somebody who's been in the Messianic Jewish movement for a long time, uh, I understand how that could respond because the early Messianic Jewish movement, uh, the, the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, was really a battle to 
identify ourselves, to find our own footing, to find out how do we do this, to find out how do we hold on to our Judaism while walking in a faith in Yeshua, how we become that, and, and understanding the that we were just figuring out where Torah fit into our lives and, and we're kosher. I can tell you that when I and became... debating whether or not it does, because right. that debate has very much been a part of the history of Messianic Judaism. Yeah, yeah, when I became... When I joined myself into a Messianic Jewish congregation in Mobile, the very first Oneg Shabbat that we had, as I became the leader of that congregation, we gathered at one of the congregants' house for a barbecue, and there was pork sausage and shrimp and all that because that congregation was still just figuring out how we as Jewish believers uh, walk our, our faith and grace with a observance. What is that? How does that work? So while the Jewish people were just trying to figure out how do we do this, there was also an influx of non-Jewish people saying, how do we do this? And the answer wasn't there yet largely and so it caused a division and that division ended up where we had a lot of non-Jewish believers who wanted to understand the feasts and festivals and and how that fit into their life that wanted to understand what Shabbat was that wanted to understand what Torah was and all that but they they weren't there wasn't a home for them yet and and unfortunately and and at least they felt like there wasn't a home and that wasn't a home not because uh, the Jewish people wouldn't welcome them, but because they were getting on their own life raft at the time and trying to get their own life preserver on and trying to do all that. And, you know, you, you have to save yourself before you can save other people, and all that was going on. So so rejection was felt even if it wasn't necessarily meant to some, and so we ended up with the Jewish Roots Movement, which was Judaism without Jewish leadership, and and all that came onto that. And then from that, you ended up with groups of people who said, I want to have, you know, we don't have Jewish people here in our midst, so how do we get Jewish people here? Well, if Jewish people won't come from Messianic Judaism or Judaism into Hebrew roots, then we'll have to manufacture a Judaism. And they did that through what became the two-house movement, where they said, if you believe that you are called to Messianic Judaism or to Hebrew roots, then you must be a descendant of the lost tribes, and as such— you are the influx of Jewishness into our Hebrew Roots movement. You are the Hebrew of the Hebrew Roots movement. And so now that you're called, you have to identify as such. So decide, you know, pray and seek the Lord until you know what tribe of Israel you're from, and then start proclaiming that tribe. And, and so all that went on through that, and again, I know the history, and, and the history is there, that this is a result of hurt feelings of rejection and all those things and and some of it was real some of it was damaging some of it was was purposeful in that uh you know i can't help you now i'm trying to get my own life vest done i'm trying to get myself saved i'm i'm not going to be lost in the storm because i'm trying to save you but that nonetheless still leaves people who are saying i wanted to be with you but you pushed me onto another lifeboat and so so it began that way um for me in my experience with Hebrew roots, and by the way, I think Jonathan did a, a great explanation of that. And in my experience with people who were Hebrew roots, um, it's look. Of course, I mean, I think it's it's absolutely possible and probably true. That there are places where you have 
non-Jews who are truly called to mess, the Messianic movement, and they might be in a fellowship or a home, you know, whether it's a home fellowship or something, where there's no Jewish people. I mean, there are areas of our country, the United States, where there's not a lot of Jewish people, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just the lack of Jewish people necessarily in the group. It's the lack of regard for the prophetic significance of the Jewish people, which Yeshua said, you, won't, you, the Jewish religious leadership, you won't see me until you say. So if Yeshua says, you won't see me until you say, then that means we, it's that the, the, the salvation of the Jewish people is important. The, the, the land of Israel itself prophetically is important. But in Hebrew roots, there is just no regard for that. Well, Rabbi Eric said it. They're trying. Uh, I, I want to say it's not that there's not a regard, uh, because what happened is that the Hebrew roots movement they became the Hebrews. Okay. So they don't regard the traditions of the Jewish people because they have replaced, replaced them, them as okay. the Hebrews and the Hebrew roots, and so now they became their authority yeah. on and, what is. Hebrew, but and I, they begin to say, uh, not again. Some of this is whitewashed statement. Not everybody uh, approached it this way in in the history of the the of two house and, and Hebrew roots and all. But they began to say, if you are part of the lost tribes uh, of Israel, then you are the real Jews, the real Hebrews, mm-hmm. the real Israelites, and the Jewish people are not. And began to push them away. And and, in in my estimation, in a lot of ways, what the two-house movement became, became, for lack of a better way of wording, a bastardized form of replacement theology, uh, in which they said, we want all of the Jewish stuff. Right, like when when replacement theology developed, they said we want all of the we want the Jewish Messiah, and we want the Jewish Word of God, but we don't want the Jewish people, right? And uh, but and we and we don't want any of the Jewish traditions and lifestyle and practice. But with the two house movement, Hebrew roots movement, what ended up happening is they said because we're the real Jews, we're the real Israel, and those Jews are fake Jews. They were trumped up by you know whoever. They're not the real Jews. So they said we want the Jewish Messiah, and we want all the Jewish stuff and the practice and everything but we don't want the jewish people and we're going to tell you how the jewish people did it all wrong for the last four thousand years and we're going to correct it which kind of leads to the calendars and all the different things right that exist that's, that's where we end yeah. up with and again please understand that we understand that much of this error comes from hurt yeah right. from betrayal from rejection, from those things, and grasping for something that they can hold on to that becomes their foundation. And so, again, it's our failure as the Messianic Jewish movement not welcoming people in in the way we should have that caused much of this. And I take ownership to that, and and it doesn't offend me to say that that we were human and we failed at times. Sorry. So, no, I just wanted to say that uh, just to finish the thought that I had earlier, Rabbi Eric had mentioned uh, that they're saving themselves because I can think of two instances uh, of two individuals I knew over the years in my in my in my walk with the Lord and 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 people that I've connected with over the years. There were two that were Hebrew root slash sacred name. They were both. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know one was definitely sacred name. And no, again, uh, that they. they Again, they wanted the Jewish stuff, no regard for the, the the culture and the people. And there was in them inherently this this self-righteousness. And there, there was zero – never talked about grace, never talked about – never talked about that. 
And interestingly enough, how is it that oftentimes people who get caught up, oftentimes, I'm not painting with a wide brush, but how is it that oftentimes, which both these people, this happened, oftentimes the path leads to renouncing Yeshua. Yeah. And and, and that's what often, the, the sacred name Hebrew roots, I, for some reason it seems like it's a slippery slope to this yeah. eventual, well, now I'm either just Judaism or I just completely, you know, leave. Yeah. Let me touch on that a bit just because it's it's a, what I was talking about in the very beginning before we described Hebrew roots. It's a characteristic that follows with um, – and it's a dangerous characteristic that follows with a lot of these like off, Hebrew roots and off branches of you know uh, said thing. Um, this idea of being a quote unquote truth seeker. You know, I see people's bios all the time and that's like yeah. that's like their life model. I'm a truth seeker. Yeah. And you know, I always tell people that I, whenever that comes up in conversation, be a God seeker, not a truth seeker. Because there's a lot of truth you can find without God and walk very far away from God without finding truth. So be a God seeker. Because you know, what what it does what this this idea of being a quote 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 truth seeker is you get this idea that everything you're finding that's not the normal narrative is somehow the truth and everything that's normally pushed by it can be books, textbooks, you know, college professors, whatever, um, is somehow a lie, all of it. And so it produces this high and that, you know, and, and, you know, I got to get more of this. Like I've got to find more wrong, you know, I, I got to find out why the world is more wrong than I am. And so they, they continue to, and that's what that, that often is why, okay, well the Hillel two calendar that can't be because that's the normal calendar. So it's got to be something offshoot, hidden. And what it really is, what it really is, is just Gnostic heresy that's continued to kind of, you know, trickle right. down. And, and what happens is when you, be, when, when, uh, scripture becomes and, and God becomes, uh, less than your goal, your primary, uh, and that God's people, because God said the Jews were supposed to be the ones that were to preserve the oracles of God. Right. So and uh, so so that's important to to know. the The New Testament says the Jews were there to preserve the oracles of God. They were the ones that were supposed to teach these things. So if, if the Jewish people that are believers in Yeshua seem to reject you or you feel rejected and you go off by yourself, then you become a replacement to them. Yes. And and if you're one that, for instance, okay, you're you're in a church somewhere and all of a sudden you read in your Bible and it says, you know, everybody went to synagogue on Sabbath and you start looking at that, you become the one that knows about the Sabbath. And and you start sharing that with your friends. Well, then all of a sudden, all your friends know about the Sabbath. They, they either reject or they join with you. So then now you don't have a new anymore. You're not the smartest person in the world anymore. You're not the one with the truth. So then you look for, okay, well, the name is wrong. The Jewish people hid this, and, and we're supposed to be using the name. Now, honestly, when Yeshua was asked, how should we pray, he said, our Father. He didn't mm-hmm. say... You know, he had the perfect opportunity to say, "Okay, all these Jews were wrong, and this was hidden, and all." Yeah, it's but Jehovah, he or it's this, right? Well, so. whatever the name is, he didn't do that. But so then they have the name. So now they have Sabbath and the name. So now they're that. And then when when enough people they run out of their sphere of influence with the name, then they go to the moon. It's this, and they go to this, and it's this, and and it just keeps going down this path because they're searching after finding something that they can have that th- is theirs to share. Uh, rather than God has something for us all to share, right? And and uh, and so and again, Jewish people do the same thing. It, it's so I'm not knocking one group of people. I'm just saying 
that if our goal isn't to be like Yeshua, to walk in his ways, to to live in in his ways, to follow the scripture, and, and it becomes... And we're in opposition to another group of people, and we're we know what's right, and they don't. Then we end up always having to find something else that's right that someone else doesn't know, and so that's where all of this lunar Sabbath comes from. That's where all this sacred name stuff comes from. That's where all this uh, false calendar stuff comes. From. That's where all this the the rabbis are all wrong about everything and we can't hold on to anything the rabbis said uh, and all of that comes from this desire to have something that i know that other people don't know that i can share rather than the bible is there for all of us to share right and, and we all have the same foundation the same root and the question of whether and the question what we're getting to is what's healthy you know what's healthy yeah right well and 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 with that as a leeway, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and we're gonna dive into a few other issues uh, as we move through this as well. Uh, but I, I want to point out the fact that when we have this conversation, and we have this conversation in the circles we run in pretty regular, when we have this conversation, we're not having this conversation for the purpose of trying to point out what somebody else is doing that is wrong, or to right. to try and and fix somebody else's theology or anything. Our heart's desire, and and now I. I'm not going to pretend to speak for all of Messianic Judaism, right? But I, I feel pretty confident to say I can speak for the four of us in this room right now. Our heart's desire is always restoration of God's people, yeah. right? And so when we're talking about uh, Hebrew roots and sacred name and, and, and all of these different nomenclatures that are out there and all these you know different segments that are out there on the, the kind of peripheral of Messianic Judaism, we're not having these conversations solely for the purpose of saying, you're right and I'm wrong, but it's for the purpose of saying, you know what? We're one. Let's, let's re- be restored in Messiah under healthy, authentic Messianic Judaism, yeah. uh, which... To be honest, uh, we can't really say that we're following the Jewish Messiah if we're rejecting the Jewish people and holding on to the Jewish stuff, but then redefining the Jewish stuff. So what is a healthy congregation? What is a healthy community? Which is the question that was asked. Um, I would start by saying, uh, and this is how we handle things at our congregation, uh, we don't... I don't like the use of the sacred name, right? Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's uh, uh, the tetragrammaton is the Greek word for it, but in Hebrew, it's yud he vav he. Uh, people try to find ways of pronouncing it. There's a whole bunch of them that float around, and what I find really funny is that every person I've ever heard say, this is the way this word is pronounced, say, this is what God told me. This is how it's pronounced. But there's like eight different pronunciations, and they all say the same thing. So either God is schizophrenic, or we're not actually hearing them on exactly how to pronounce it. And like Rabbi Eric said, Yeshua had the perfect opportunity. God himself in flesh had the perfect opportunity to fix the conversation and say it should be this way. And instead he said, Avinu, our father, uh, which is an entirely different uh, reality. And so in our congregation, we we uh, we don't like beat people up over it, but we strongly encourage people not to use it for several reasons. One is, is if a non-believing Jewish person walks in our synagogue and they hear somebody throwing that name around haphazardly they're out the door and guess what we just put up a barrier 
for something that we didn't need to try to prove one way or the other, we just put up another barrier before a Jewish person finding Messiah. And that's hugely problematic because the fact that we believe in Yeshua to begin with is a big enough hurdle to get over. It should be the only hurdle exactly to right. get over. And and so we, we have to look at these things and, and you know, one of the things that Hebrew Roots and, and some of those groups will do is they say we reject the teachings of the rabbis or the traditions of the rabbis. We want the biblical but not the traditional. The problem with that is if you follow the teachings of Yeshua, if you emulate what Yeshua does, you're going to follow traditions. Now, I'm not saying the traditions are equal to the Torah, that the traditions are equal to Scripture. It's not. I don't believe that there's an they, that the oral commandments or the oral tradition is equal to what we have written. But for instance, at his last Seder meal, at the Last Supper, when when Yeshua lifted up the, the bread and he lifted up the wine and he said a blessing, he was following tradition. Yes. There, there's nowhere in the scripture that says, lift up the bread and say this prayer, or lift up the wine and say this prayer. He was at a gathering for Seder, and he lifted up a cup, and he lifted up the bread, and he followed the tradition that was passed down to us. When the scripture says that Bethany was a Sabbath day's journey away from Jerusalem, there is no Sabbath day's journey in the Torah. It's not. There's not a, a a distance in the Torah. It is the tradition that was handed down. Now, as long as those traditions unify us and don't contradict the Scripture, then we should hold to those traditions. And and so when we reject the tradition whole hog, which is not really a kosher way to say that, we're actually rejecting some of the very things that Yeshua and the, his apostles and the shalachim did. And their lifestyle uh, in doing so. So we we really need to understand that you can't say I reject the traditions of Judaism, but I hold to the scriptures because much of what's in the Brit Chadashah is tradition walked out by the apostles, by the early disciples, by the followers of Yeshua. And so in this balance we have to have, if you want to find a healthy congregation, a healthy congregation follows the scripture, but they're looking to Messiah. Uh, A healthy congregation emulates Yeshua in how they live and how they walk. A healthy congregation is more in love with Yeshua and his word and the Torah than they are the traditions, but they follow the traditions. Uh, a healthy congregation is not enamored with Judaism, it's enamored with the God of Judaism Amen. and the Messiah of Judaism. Uh, a healthy congregation will follow the examples of Yeshua. For instance, a healthy congregation won't just use the sacred name all over the place because we don't have an example of Yeshua and his Talmudim doing that. A healthy congregation will gather together at the appointed times with all of the Jewish people, because that's what Yeshua and his disciples did. A healthy congregation will keep the feasts and festivals, because that's what Yeshua and the disciples did. A healthy congregation will allow a unity of Jew and Gentile, because that's what Yeshua and the disciples did. Uh, All of this stuff is stuff. When Paul went to uh, share the good news with the Gentile nations, he went to synagogues where Jews and non-Jews were together, and he taught there. Uh, these are things that are healthy and ways we can follow uh, along with how things are. So healthy 
emulates what we see in the scriptures. Healthy emulates what Yeshua did. Healthy emulates what Paul did. Healthy emulates what Peter and Yochanan, John and, and Yaakov, James did in the scripture. Uh, healthy is not argumentative for the sake of argumentative. It's not, I know something that you don't know. It's, I know something I want to share with you but what I'm sharing is because not because it was a direct revelation that I found, but it was what was in God's word. No, we can't be argumentative. I was going to say, is this a Jewish congregation? We're no, no, we about can be argumentative, but not for <laughs> um, the sake of being argumentative. But, but, but that's a good segue into actually a, a question I want to put forth to everybody is, um, you know, in a healthy congregation, um, there is room for healthy disagreement over yes. things that are not absolute, like that are not salvation issues. For instance, I'll go back to my two experiences I had with two different people who were sacred name. I knew a guy who was sacred name, and he said, I personally believe. He says, however, he goes, that's how I feel. And I'm like, okay, I can get with that, you know, because my response was, listen, you know, I, I respect that you at least understand. I said, because for me, I have a real name. It's Toby. My yeah. son doesn't call me that. He says, dad. Yeah. And, and when he says, dad, I know that that's my boy. However, I've also met someone who says, he's not God, he is not Lord, he is not called God, he is not called Lord, and that's not healthy. So in a healthy synagogue, though, you might have people that believe, okay, I believe that there is a sacred name, and how do we interact and have healthy disagreements over things that are not salvation Right, and some of these things are really because of bad teaching. For instance, I've had people say, we can't use the word God to refer to God because it's it has pagan roots, and we're not supposed to even mention the names of pagan gods and deities, which is true, except if we aren't allowed to speak the names of pagan deities, we can't say we can't read the text of the scripture because Baal is in the text of the scripture. Right, Molech. Uh, Molech is in the text of the scripture. Uh, the the names of the Hebrew months that came out of Babylon, some of them are in the Hebrew scriptures. They're in the text. So so there's a, a when it ca- says don't call on the names of these gods, calling on somebody is empowering them. It's it's giving them. Uh, power over you. It's it's not just naming them, asking them for help. Right. It's the same the as it says you're not to have pictures of anything on heaven, anything in earth, in your you know. And then, but it goes on to say that you should bow down and worship them. It's not having a picture that's a problem. It's bowing down to worship them that's the problem. And so, partial teaching, bad teaching. It's the same as people will say things like, you know, the tithing was only for the Levites. And being we don't have a temple and we don't have Levites, we don't tithe anymore. Well, that's not biblically accurate because Abraham tithed and Jacob tithed before the Levites were priests in Israel. Yeah, before there was a Torah. And, and they tithed on all of their increase, and they tithed on the spoils of war. So it wasn't just agricultural products that were tithing. So going back to the first usage is where we find things out and then build from there. And so bad theology, if we want to understand how to understand the Bible, we go to how did the people that gave us the Bible understand the Bible and then build from there. If you don't go back to there, you're going to have a faulty understanding of what the Bible says. Yeah, I think another sign of a healthy congregation is a congregation that is focusing more on Yeshua's teachings, how to implement Yeshua's teachings in our daily life, um, rather than trying to you know, rediscover lost information or hidden things. Because, like, I mean, even Yeshua says, you know, their, their mysteries we'll never understand, yeah. will never be revealed to us. And and we should be fine with that And because 
uh, it's more important that we, you know, live out lives of grace and you know, acts of loving kindness and um, loving one another. Has, yeah, yeah. Right. Are are you learning stuff so that you can share it with other people, or are you learning stuff so that other people will know that you know stuff? Yeah. And right. equally important is if we're going to uh, be the people of God who are bound together in the blood atonement of Messiah and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, then we need to, and I think this is a problem not just in Messianic Judaism, I see it a problem in the church as well, we need to make sure that we know the Word of God. We don't just know Paul's words. Yeah. We don't just know uh, uh, the Torah. We don't just know the prophets. We don't just know Talmud or whatever else. But we know God's word as a whole from Genesis to Revelation. I know way too many believers, both in Messianic Judaism and outside of, that are either rejective of Paul's words because they see contradiction there, which really isn't there, by the way, but they see contradiction there for whatever reason, or all they care about is Paul's words. Um, and, and, and Paul's words are phenomenal. Heck, I've written two books on Paul's writings. I love Paul's writings, but it's not the only books of the Bible and it's built upon the books that came before it. It's all built upon the Torah and, and goes from there. Um, so it's important in a healthy congregation that there is a healthy reverence of the entirety of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. I also think another uh, a sign of a healthy congregation, and, and I, I like to believe that both of our congregations have very much experienced this on a regular basis, um, is that uh, a healthy congregation is a family. It's not just a group of people that meet once or twice a week in a building, but it's a family. Like we, we yeah. do life together. We spend time together. And I think this is important, especially maybe even more so within Messianic Judaism than perhaps some of the rest of the body of Messiah at times because of the fact that in Messianic Judaism is the only place that I see where we see Yeshua's words uh, where he says, "You, uh, in order to follow me, you've got to be willing to hate your father, mother, sister, brother, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, obviously, Yeshua didn't really actually want us to hate people, but he was getting at a point, and that point was we've got to be willing to give everything up to follow him. And that includes our own understanding. You know, you, you were talking before, are you trying to like just have something new to teach people, that, like something nobody else has ever seen before, right? We got to give up everything, including our own understanding. We got to be willing to walk away from our family. And it's, in my, in my opinion, it's really only in a messianic synagogue that we experience that both Jew mm-hmm. and Gentile, because as a Jewish believer, we know what it feels like to walk away from our family from Messiah, to have our family reject us and so on and so forth. Um, but for a, a Gentile believer who grew up in the church, if you grew up Southern Baptist, and you start going to a charismatic church, your family's still going to have you over for Easter and Christmas dinner. Yeah. They, they may have, you may have theological discussions and they don't like right. it, but they'll still have you over, right? But when you start going to a Messianic synagogue, the first thing you hear is you got to be careful of the Judaizers. It's a cult. They're trying to take you under the law. It's not about grace. It's da da da. And you have all of this. And within a Messianic congregation, we, I, I find it so much. Uh, uh, so much a major part of who we are that 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 Hebrew term mishpacha, the the family right. uh, aspect, is so vital because sometimes this for a lot of people is the only family right. that we have because we have had to very literally pick up our cross and follow Yeshua. And so when we look at that idea of a healthy congregation, it can't just be a group of people that meet each right. other once or twice a week in a building, but Absolutely. are a legitimate family spending time together, sowing in each other's Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. So so in in Closing out my part of this, if if you want to know what a healthy congregation is, a healthy congregation is one that celebrates the Sabbath, but they do so because of Yeshua, not because of the Sabbath. They celebrate the feasts and festivals, but they do so honoring Yeshua and loving one another, not just because they're right and other people are wrong. 
they have Hebrew in their service, but it's not so they can demonstrate they mm-hmm. know Hebrew, but they can be in unity with the Jewish people, yeah. with the history of the Jewish people, with the history of the people of the Bible, who loved God and loved their neighbor. Who Everything that we do, it's got to be, if we're going to be healthy, the focus has got to be on, on God, and it has to be on Yeshua. And, and it has to be on his people as a unity. And everything if, – if you're doing something that you're doing to separate you from other people – I'm not talking about from worldliness. But if you're doing it as a distinctive, we're different than them because we do this, uh, then I think there's an unhealthiness involved in that. I think that's a good point. I think a, a healthy congregation, Messianic congregation, also has a favorable view – Towards the church, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? yeah, yeah, yes. very much so. And I think it's important. You know, you were just saying, Rabbi Eric, all the things that healthy congregations should do, right? For instance, Hebrews should be a part of our liturgy. Traditional Jewish liturgy should be a part of our services, and it's a beautiful reality. And it's a part for for us at CMC. We talk about it all the time. This is what worship was in Yeshua's day. So when we're trying to emulate Yeshua, we are emulating him by using the same mode of worship that he would have. And so, uh, and with that comes two realities. One is if you're going to use the Hebrew, a healthy Messianic congregation strives for proper enunciation, right? Um, and, and and because it can be offensive to, to to Jewish people coming in to hear the gospel, to hear poor Hebrew spoken, um, and, and then the other side of it is all of this that we're talking about about what a healthy congregation should be must be rooted in the idea of we are striving to know why we do what we do, and that why should always be a central focus on Yeshua. Always. Yeah, Yeah, it's got to be love God, love your neighbor. That brings about health. Yeah. Uh, If if loving self or self-importance or self-knowledge or self-lifting up is involved, then it's unhealthy in its core. And I think Toby had a great point is that there there is a love and a non-demonization of the church will imply a healthy – uh, community. The most, yeah, and, and the health- saying that, that doesn't mean that we agree with everything yeah, yeah, in the church, just no. like we have to have a love for the synagogue, but we don't necessarily agree with everything that's in the synagogue or yeah. the fact that in the traditional synagogue they don't accept Yeshua. Yeah, right. it, it's an honor without an accept, a full acceptance of everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but there's. Um, I completely skipped my mind what I was what I was going on, but well, it, it was it was a good point because you know there's a lot of that the church does right. I mean, if we if yeah. we, if we really want to talk facts, the church is the biggest charitable organization in the world. Mm-hmm. It takes care of the widow and the orphan more than anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the healthiest messianic congregations I know. Um, they are very involved with their local churches. They have a voice within local churches. Churches invite them to talk about Passover and the feasts, and uh, you, you know the the, Jew, the Jewishness of Jesus of Yeshua, which is a huge. I mean, that within just the past twenty years, even in modern scholarship, that is one of the biggest turnarounds and biggest spearheads for our movement. Is that you know people always kind of like knew intellectually you know Yeshua is Jewish like that was always kind of acknowledged but never embraced and now that's being embraced by the world and so uh you know we we, we should encourage churches to seek out you know right and it's being Yeshua embraced is. because of the connection between the Messianic Jewish 
community and the church. It's not being embraced because people are demonizing the church. It's yeah. not yeah. because the yeah. church is is evil and, and yeah. all that. Right. Uh, it's and because that, they they there's a openness. Yeah. And a healthy messianic congregation. It's not just a respect and reverence of the church, but a healthy messianic congregation must recognize that the church and messianic Judaism are two parts of the same body. Because yeah, Yeshua is not coming yes. back for yep. a Catholic bride and a Baptist bride and a no. messianic bride and a Methodist bride. He's coming back for his bride. Yeah. And there's one body, one spirit. And so a healthy messianic congregation shouldn't just have relationship or a reverence for, but should have relationship right. with healthy churches well, in the One area. of my favorite verses in the Bible says that the Spirit of God was given for the maturity mm-hmm. of the believers. So that means that there are believers who are immature. That, that means that there's perfecting that has to happen within yeah. the body. And so just because someone doesn't accept everything or know everything or follow everything perfectly doesn't mean they're not part of the body because it was given for the perfecting of yeah. the body. Yeah. And so we have to understand that. And to tie the idea of relationship with the rest of the body together, going back to what you were saying, Rabbi Eric, earlier about uh, there are so many that just they, they want to have the next big break, right? They want to have the next big news story, the next big thing. Like, I got something I got to teach you that you've never seen before, right? Our relationship with the church as Messianic rabbis and as Messianic congregations can't solely be because we're being invited to do seders and to come teach their Sunday schools yeah, and to come agreed. explain yeah. the holidays to them. Our relationship with churches in our area must be because it's a legitimate seeking yeah. of relationship. relationship for the yeah, sake we of relationship. we both we uh, Rabbi Eric and myself, and and I'm sure uh, Rabbi Toby's brand new to the, to our area, but Rabbi Jonathan, I'm sure you're a part of this. Rabbi Eric and I both intentionally go out of our way to build relationships with churches in our area, even to the degree of both of our congregations rent out our buildings to churches. Yeah. Um, but uh, but aside from that, we go out of our way to build relationships with pastors and churches there, not for speaking opportunities, not because like we're going to get something out of it, but because we. Need need those relationships and the body and 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 it's important it's vital to to have those there and so as we talk about all of the you know we we i jokingly said and and somebody commented on it on facebook i jokingly said in the very first episode that messianic judaism is uh is kind of granola right we get all the fruits nuts and flakes and this episode kind of focused a lot on some of the fruits nuts and flakes that affect messianic judaism uh and and messianic congregations and as we uh uh wrap up this uh this episode i think it's important for us to remember that just as we just talked about healthy relationships with the rest of the body for messianic judaism we have spent far too long and i'm going to go out on a limb and make another hand grenade bold statement uh we, everyone exactly um we messianic judaism for far too long has been so focused on pointing out all of the errors of hebrew roots sacred namers two house yada 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 putting all of this stuff out there right but rarely and i mean rarely have i ever said have i ever seen messianic judaism uh, try to work towards restoration and renewal. There are sporadic people here and there in the movement that do, and, and Rabbi Eric's been involved in, in this with different congregations and stuff. But um, but but we're so focused on they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. Okay, great. If we truly believe they're wrong, how about we build a relationship with them so that we can help steer them back and bring them into restoration and bring them into relationship and help lead towards right. uh, healthy authenticity. And, my, and my last word, and then I'll let Jonathan yeah. say what he's going to say, because we're all like leaning toward our microphones, ready to jump. Is I'm good. Mm-hmm. I want to make 
make sure that everybody understands that while we're talking about this, we all understand that Messianic Judaism hasn't perfected things either. Yeah. That we're we're still growing and drawing closer to God, and we're still changing and and morphing as we're led by the Ruach Hakodesh. So, our congregations—if you visited my congregation 25 years ago, and then you came today—it's different than it mm-hmm. was. We're we're different in how we do. We're different in how we process things. And so, I'm not speaking from a place of we've achieved and we've arrived, and now we're inviting everybody mm-hmm. to come join us in the land of perfection. But I'm I'm saying we're all moving towards the Messiah. We're all moving towards God and His holiness, and we're inviting people to travel the journey with us. Yeah, oh, I was just, I was laughing because David was talking about you know come on we can invite a man. I was like so we can both be wrong together. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, and this is, you know, it's kind of funny that we're talking about a lot of these things here at this, uh, at, right before we get into the fall high holy days, because, um, this is like kind of a hard time of the year for me because I see so many friends who it, it for the next six months are going to be only on an anti Easter Christmas tangent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just say this, since we're on topic of healthy congregations, if you, Walk into a place and it spends more time over the next, you know, four to six months talking about the wrongness of Christmas and Easter or you know any, any of those things. I would I would leave. It's it's unhealthy. It's it's not a place uh, that you. And, and that's not endorsing Christmas or Easter. That's not endorsing Christmas or Easter. Our messages should be about Yeshua. Is about a loving one another yeah. and. Yeah. The other stuff, if it's mentioned or whatever, whatever, but it should not be the primary focus. Yes. Yeah. Of, Healthy disagreement and yeah. uh, about things that aren't salvation issues. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So as we close up this episode, we want to remind you again that you can go to our Facebook page, Messy Antics Podcast, and you can put in the comments ideas, topics, thoughts, questions you'd like us to cover on a future podcast. We do ask that if you haven't already done so, follow us on whatever means of podcasting you use. And share this with other people if you think it'll be helpful. It's been fun for us to do. I hope it's been fun for you to listen to. And we look forward to joining you again next Friday with our next release. Thank you for listening to the Messy Antics Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. And be sure to follow and interact with us on social media at Messy Antics Podcast.